amen, amen. Is God good or what? Is God good or what? Come on, come on. Man, man. Buenos dias, familia. Buenos dias. That's when you say buenos dias back. We'll try it again. Buenos dias, familia. There we go, there we go. I know it's cloudy outside. I get it, I get it. Uh, well, if we haven't met yet, my name is Misael Gonzalez, and I'm the pastor here. And I just want to say, man, thank you for braving uh, the rain. I know it can be slippery out there. Our pastoral resident, Nathan McKnight, didn't make it today. He had to stay in the apartment. And so he also sends greetings from, from his apartment uh, just because all the rain and stuff. There's a little bit of flooding going on. So anyway, pray for that guy. Uh, but as we, as we continue in this series together, I just want to give you some quick summer updates to you. Uh, so this whole summer really began with us talking about, like, we need to relaunch ourselves into the community. We need to relaunch and we need to go into this community and say, hey, this is who we are, this is who we believe in, and this is what God can do in your life. And so I just want to say thank you real quick. Just like thank you for what you've done this summer. So this summer we've made almost 5,000 blessing bags together. This summer we've done a couple of block parties, and I've just seen all of you just like go and infiltrate and just love this community so well. And then this past Friday, I know some of you were there, some of you couldn't make it, but this past Friday was just incredible as we partnered with the city and we partnered with the Be Heard movement to do something that has honestly never been done here before. And that was do this pop-up care village that we've been talking about. And in this pop-up care village, it's just amazing to see like 60-something organizations come and to serve the community. I think we are able to serve like 580-something uh, people who are our neighbors that are experiencing homelessness. And so, like, just to see that, I was just like, Lord, you're doing something crazy here that's honestly beyond us. Like, it's beyond one people. It's beyond one church. Like, it's literally this entire community coming together and saying, let's see this entire community restored by Christ and for Christ. And so I just want to say thank you for doing that because I know at the beginning of the summer we talked about a lot of these things and you looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, well, a little bit. We're a little bit crazy. Uh, but thank you because I just think that the Lord is going to continue to work in us and through us and beyond us. So I just want to make sure and I started off with just saying thank you because I just think you guys are amazing. And so last Sunday I was actually in Owasso. And uh, as I was preaching in Owasso, I, I asked a question, and I thought it would be valid to ask you guys the same question just to make sure, like, we're on the same page. And so here's the question I want to ask you. When I think, or when I say the word elder, like, what comes to your mind? When I say the word elder, what kind of people group or what kind of person comes to your mind? So I'm going to try to read your mind. Is that okay? I'm going to try to read your mind real quick. So maybe when I say the word elder, maybe your mind goes to this one guy from Up. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Up. And maybe your, your mind goes to this guy. And uh, when you look at this guy from the movie Up, you're like, hmm, that's the kind of person I think of when I think of the word elder. Like I think of this person, maybe, maybe I know a friend that's like this, maybe I am like this, maybe I have a family member that's like this, or maybe you just think of the person from Up. Or maybe you're the guy who's like, you know what, I'm more of a Toy Story kind of person. And so you're thinking of like the old guy with the pickaxe from Toy Story. And you're like, hey, this is what I think of when I think of the word elder. Like that, that's what I think of. Or maybe you're a Star Wars fan. And so you're like, you know what, Yoda. Yoda is like the most like wise person I know. And so I think of Yoda and, you know, I'm going to ask Yoda all, that, all the wisdom I can. Or maybe you're one of those people, right, that you think of the word elder. And you're thinking, you know what. I'm thinking of this, like, just old, crazy guy 
with crazy hair. And, you know, he's, like, from that movie, from Back to the Future. And, like, this guy, he's just insane. Like, that's just what I think of when I think of an elder. And so maybe those are some of the things that you're thinking of when you think of the word elder. But when we look at the Bible, especially biblically right here, when we look at this word elder, not only does it mean, yes, an older person, but it's actually a position. So the word elder is a position established by God in order, in order for them, this elder, this pastor, to lead a church, to lead a congregation. And these are all things that you guys talked about and that we talked about this past Sunday. But I just wanted to make sure I just covered that one more time to make sure we're on the same page. Because this elder or this pastor word is this position established by God. And then we're about to see again in verses 5, in verse 5 where it says, now you who are younger... Okay, so this word younger is not just this younger in age, but it also could signify younger in the faith. So I just want to make sure I establish those things as we read the passage together. Um, number one, to maybe just kind of see uh, what you guys thought about when you thought about the word elder. But also for us to just recognize that, you know, sometimes it's not about the age of a person. Sometimes it's about the calling and the position that God gives a person in the position that God gives them. And so let's go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. So as you turn there, let me give you just a little bit more context. Uh, we've been in this series called Stand, and we've been talking about this entire chapter or this entire book of 1 Peter about how it's about these suffering Christians, and Peter's writing to these suffering Christians, and Peter's like, hey, this is how you suffer as a Christian, and here's how you suffer without sinning, because sometimes it's really easy to sin when you suffer. And then he's in trying to encourage them, and then he goes to these elders and pastors and saying, elders and pastors, like, this is how you take care of your people who are suffering. And then we kind of see this little shift right now where, where Peter is talking to these people in the church, in this congregation in the church and saying, all right, you guys, this is, this is how you're supposed to be towards each other and how you're supposed to be towards the elders and the pastors and how you're supposed to be towards God. And so really last Sunday we saw the expectations that God has on elders and, and today we're going to see his expectations that God has on everyone, on us in the church, on, on those who maybe are younger in the faith. And so if you're there with me in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, we're going to read from verses 5 to 7. And it says this, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As we read that, I just want to give you a focus statement or just something to give you that we just want to focus on this morning. And this is kind of like this main idea or target statement, you could say, um, that we're going to be looking at this morning. So I want you to write this down because here's the focus for us this morning. Is that God works through humble people. God works through humble people. That's kind of just our target and our focus. I almost wanted to put like God works through young, humble people because of our context. But I was like, well, I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, man, God only works through young, humble people. And if you're like, man, I don't know if I consider myself young. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, I didn't want to say that because God works through all people. It doesn't matter their age. God is just looking for people who are humble enough to say, okay, God, guide my steps. 
okay, God, go in front of me, pave the path. I, I just want to walk in the path that you've paved. Those are the type of people that, that God uses. And, and so I just want to give you just a couple of examples of this. So I want you to think of Samuel, okay. And, and all of these guys are a little bit young too, just to kind of hit the context a little bit. But think about Samuel. Samuel was like 12 or 13 years old, and, and he was like laying there in bed, and God is like, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel's like, hey, what's going on? So then he like goes to Eli, and he's like, hey, Eli, did you call me? And Eli's like, no, like, go back to bed. And so Samuel, again, 12, 13 years old, is being called by God. And, and so Samuel, at the beginning of his life and throughout his life, was trying to be humble towards the Lord. And you think about David. Right, so they're looking for a new king, and, and they're going to this, like, family, and, and this guy's looking at all of these brothers, and he's like, man, I'm looking at all these guys, and maybe I want this guy who's, like, super tall, this guy, maybe he's, like, super old or super wise, and then you have this guy named David who's out with the sheep, and he's, like, doing his thing. He's not even, like, in the selection process, and God is like, yeah, I don't want these guys. I want the guy that's out there. I want the guy that's out there that's working, who's humble. And so David, again, is selected as this king, as the next king, and he's like this teenager. And so from the beginning of his life to the end of his life, though, he made some mistakes. He was still humble before the Lord. And then you have the disciples. And, and honestly, I think that there's an argument to be made that some of the disciples were teenagers. These teenagers who, I don't know if they, I don't know if they were just humble or just like really dumb for following Jesus, following Jesus like this without asking a lot of questions. So I don't know which one they were, but they followed him with humility. And again, though they made mistakes, they were humble from the beginning. And so we see that, that God works through humble people. And that's just one thing I want to keep going back to today, just going back to that. And so as we look at this passage, I want to separate it in two ways. Uh, the first way I want to separate it just really comes from verse 5. So as we look at verse 5, here's the first point here, is that humility is an attitude. Humility is an attitude. You could also say humility is an attitude we should have. And so verse 5, one more time, says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Again, uh, before these verses, we saw how, how God was saying, okay, elders, here's how you help the people in need. Here's how you help the people who are suffering. And then here, it's almost like God is showing those people who are suffering how they should act towards God and, toward their, and towards elders. And how they should do it in humility and how they should do it for Christ. And then, as you just look at this, you just see this kind of remnants of Proverbs and this remnants of Psalms of how... God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Again, we can be looking at this and we can say, okay, the elders should act in humility. Man, the elders should be the one thinking of everyone. The elders are in this position that, man, they should humble themselves uh, to God and should humble themselves for, uh, to everyone else. But then even, even the younger ones, even the rest of the congregation that's asked, hey, humble yourself too. Hey, humble yourself to the authority above you. Humble yourself to those around you. Humble yourself and honestly be an example. Because whether we're talking about age or whether we're talking about spiritual maturity, man, I truly believe that the younger can still influence the older. That the younger can still be an influence to the older. And I want you to write down 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. This is a passage right here that I have just like held on to. 
because, you know, I started being a pastor of this place at 22, and now I'm 24, so I'm like two years older. And I have to go back to this passage all the time and saying, Lord, help me be this passage. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And where I just kind of like focus in this is where it says set an example. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so I truly believe that whether you're younger spiritually or you're younger in age, you can still set an example to those older in faith, in conduct, and in purity. And so I just want to give you two examples of that just from my own life. So uh, most of you know Nathan McKnight. Uh, again, he couldn't be here, but most of you know him. And so I took him to Owasso with me uh, on a Sunday night so he could preach uh, to the Sunday night service. And so Nathan, he's up there and he's doing his thing, you know, he's, he's preaching up there and it's awesome. And at this point, Nathan is like 20 years old, okay, so that's some context you need to know. And so Nathan, he's preaching and it was awesome, like he did a great job and, and he gets down and, and we finish the service. And so now I'm like walking around with Nathan and I'm like, hey everybody, you know, this is Nathan just in case and all that kind of stuff. And there were several people who came up to Nathan and they said, Nathan, it is so cool to see someone so young dedicated to the Lord. Someone so young you know, doing their thing and preaching and having that kind of humility, but also that kind of boldness. And they're talking about how young he was. And I was standing right next to him. I was like, hey, do you forget that I'm still 24? Like, did you forget that I'm the young guy? Like, did you forget that, like, literally two years ago I came here and I was like 22? I was like, did you forget that? I, I think they did. I think now I'm wearing off. Now I'm the old guy in the room. And, uh, <laughs> and so he looked at Nathan and said, man, Nathan, you're so young. And I was like, hey, I'm young too. Okay, whatever. And so it was just really cool to see how people saw Nathan in that light of like, hey, thank you for being an example to me, even though I'm 24, even though I'm 34, whatever age you are, because your dedication to the Lord. And then I want to give you another story. So this is not young in age, but young in faith. And so uh, it was actually a couple months ago, I was, I was having a conversation with this 50-something-year-old guy. And uh, he just recently put his faith and trust in Jesus. And him and I were just talking and like, I was just hearing him just say, me said like, I had to like throw away this. Me said I had to throw away that. Me said I did, I did, I, I just like, I was so convicted by God because I was just like, man, I shouldn't be living like this anymore and I need to do this. And, and me said like, I want to I wanna be able to like get my business and like give a portion of that to the church and this and this. And I was just like sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> like you are dedicated. Like you are radically just like giving everything you have to the Lord. And his, like, young faith was just inspiring to me. Because he was like, me said, obviously, like, obviously, like, I would do this. Like, obviously, like, I'd read my Bible time. Like, obviously, me said, like, I just want to, like, I just want to pray. Like, I just don't want to do anything else. And I was like, whoa, hold on. You got to still work. You still got to, you know, feed your family, hang out with your kids. But it was just really cool to just see this really young in the faith 50-year-old man be so dedicated. Like, he was inspiring me. And so whether it's young in age or young in faith, like, I still believe there's room for us to be an example to the older. And so maybe you're in here thinking like you're the oldest one in the room. Man, you're still young to someone. That's for sure. Whether it's young in faith or young in age. And, and I hope that if you are young in age or young in faith that you would be encouraged. That you can still be an example. That you can still be effective. You can still make an impact. And so as we continue to read this, there's this little quote right here in, in verse 5 that says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. 
This really comes from Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 34, where it says, He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. And this is just, uh, this is just incredible because when we look at humility, humility is not like self-hurt at all. Humility is more of this, hey, I'm aware of my personal strengths, but I'm thankful that God has given them to me. Hey, I'm aware of my weaknesses, but I understand I'm dependent on the Lord in everything that I do. Man, I'm, I'm aware of how God has created me to meet, to be, but I know it all comes from him. So that's what really humility is. And, and so this humility describes really this attitude. This attitude of, man, I want to put others first. This attitude of, I want to listen first before I speak. This attitude of, like, I want to meet the needs and desires of other people before my own. This, this attitude of, you know what, I'm going to listen to other people's ideas before I just go splurting out my ideas. But then, in verse 6, it continues. And it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so where we're beginning to see is that this humility really, really turns into something else. This, this humility actually turns into an action. So humility is not just an attitude, humility is an action. And so I just want to take you back and I want to transport you to John chapter 13. Because I think that when... when Peter writes, man, clothe yourself with humility. When, when Peter writes this passage, I think he has this one particular moment in mind in John 13. So I just want to transport you to John 13 because for Peter, this is really deep. So in John 13, we have this moment where Jesus is eating with his disciples. And it's really just like this last time he's doing this. And as they're eating, um, he's like, you know what, I'm going to wash your feet. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wash your feet. And so in John chapter 13, it describes that Jesus began to take off, like, his outer clothing. And so he's, like, talking to them, and, and he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm doing this. So he's, like, taking out his outer clothing, and he, like, throws it on the ground, the stuff that he was wearing. And then he puts on this towel. So Jesus there, he's looking at his disciples. <laughs> and he puts on this towel, just like this. Something like that. And he gets down, he goes, you know what? I want to wash your feet. And so he's there and he's just like, he, he gets their feet, all the disciples' feet, and he begins to wash them and wash them. And then he gets to Peter, right? So then Peter's like, Jesus, why are you washing my feet? My feet are dirty. Jesus, why are you washing my feet? I should be washing your feet. And Jesus is like, yeah, you just don't understand what I'm doing right now and it's okay. You just don't understand, but I'm going to keep washing your feet. He goes, I'm, I'm cleaning your feet. And as Jesus is washing their feet, Jesus says something really profound. He goes, no one is greater than the master. But what Jesus doesn't say, and maybe I'm reading into this. He's saying no one is greater than the master, but the master himself humbled himself, put on the towel, and began to wash their feet. He goes, no one is greater than me, but look what I'm doing. And so... When we read this and it says, clothe yourself with humility, I just want you to have that picture. Man, clothe yourself with humility. How much more humble is it for Jesus, the Lord, the Savior of the world, who came down to our filth, not only just did that, but he put on the towel, he clothed himself with humility, and he said, man, let me wash your feet. Let me do that. And so for Peter, I just, 
I just can imagine just how profound that was for him as he's looking at us, as he's looking at that congregation. He's saying, man, put on your towel. Like, clothe yourself with humility. It's okay to take off that outer garment that maybe looks nice because it's a button-up and it's green and has this little white stuff in the collar. It's okay to take that off and clothe yourself with the towel that's going to get dirty because you're washing people's feet. That's okay. And not only is it okay, it's something that we are commanded to do, that we are asked to do. And so that's why we say that humility is also an action. And so I just want to just make it personal real quick for us. Like, like when is the last time you put on your towel? Like, when is the last time you put on your towel and said, you know what, today I'm going to clothe myself with humility. And in whatever shape or form it looks like, I'm going to wash people's feet. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to put their needs above my own. Again, not in a self-hurt kind of way, but in a way it says I'm going to love you. I'm going to put my attitude of humility into action. Because that's what Peter had in mind right here. And as you do that, man, let me, again, just trying to make things personal for us. As we do that, are we doing that because we feel like it's a duty or because we really desire to do that? You see, as I've just been processing this entire chapter, one thing that keeps on coming to my mind is like, Lord, help me worship you out of desire, not out of duty. Help me worship you because I just love you and I just know what you've done for me. Help me worship you because of all the things that you've done for me, but also because of who you are. Like, let me worship you with desire, not because I feel like it's some kind of duty. Because if you turn that around to your relationships right now with your friends, with your family, the moment you say, you know, I'm going to love you because I have to is the moment somebody walks out the door. That's the moment. So let's, let's worship the Lord out of desire for him. And so that's why we say that humility is an action. And when we see all of this, we see in verse 6 that humble yourselves again, clothe yourselves with humility, therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right here it says to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. And just think about God's mighty hand real quick with me. And think about that. To humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. And I just think of Israel, because maybe it's doing an allusion to Israel, of how Israel was under God's mighty hand and they were guided out of Egypt. And man, imagine those moments in your life where you're like, God, I really need your mighty hand to get me out of here. God, I need your mighty hand to guide me. God, like, I just need you. I need to hum my, humble myself and be guided by you. So you, you pave the path. And you see, it's in that humility that we're lifted up. And maybe we're lifted up in our time here. Or maybe we're lifted up after we die and we are in the presence of the Lord. But we are lifted up in, in due time. Just as Jesus was high and lifted up, all of those who are in Jesus, man, we have this reward who is Jesus himself. And then in verse 7, I think is really powerful. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Okay, let's see if we can do this together. So when you think of humility, a lot of times you think about doing something for someone else. And that's good. We've talked about that, right? Doing something for someone else or, you know, putting your needs above someone else. But I think there's, a, I think there's two actions of humility that we forget. I think there's two actions of humility that 
I think for us should really cause us to go, oh, wow, maybe that's what real humility looks like. Because you know what is really easy to fake? Doing something for someone else. You know, it's really easy to get away with and people go, man, that person's so cool. Is a fake action. That's why we start with the attitude. But when we read verse 7, I just want you to hear me out. The way we know that we are truly humbling ourselves and having a humble attitude is if, number one, if we are actually humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Like, are we really humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God? And then number two, maybe this one's even harder for you. Are we truly throwing and casting all of our worries to God? Like when is the last time we thought about true humility being casting and throwing our, our anxiety and our worries to God? But that's exactly what we're seeing right here. That an aspect of humbling ourselves to God is to cast all of our anxiety to him because what? Because he cares. When we had Noche de Vida last Sunday night, I got up here and I, and I looked at everyone and I said, what are you holding on to? Like, what are you holding on to that you haven't given to the Lord yet? What are you holding on to that you're saying, you know what, God, this one's mine. I can take care of it. You're not big enough to have it. Hey, God, you know what, this was mine. This is my anxiety. This is my worry. This is my whatever. I'm just going to keep it here. You can't take it from me. Nana, nana, boo, boo, whatever. But what are you holding on to that you're not just giving it to the Lord? Because maybe, maybe you're really good at faking the whole humility thing. But this right here is a great act of inward humility of saying, Lord, I'm not in control. Lord, I'm not my own God. Lord, you got to have it because I just can't anymore. Like this thing is weighing me down. And I'm not just speaking to you or at you. Man, I'm speaking to you from personal experience. And uh, it was a couple Sundays ago that I, th I thought I was hiding it really well. Like I thought I was really faking it well. But it was a couple Sundays ago when my grandpa was here preaching. Who was here when my grandpa was preaching? I just want to know. Okay, cool. So I get done translating for my grandpa. And, I, and you guys saw, like I, I came here and I started praying. And as soon as my like knees hit the ground, I started sobbing. And I was really trying to hide my sobbing. Did I do a good job faking my sobbing or, or faking trying to hide my sobbing? That's really what I should say. I, I try to hide it. Did I hide it well? No? Okay. I try to hide it. I, had, I hadn't cried in like 10 years. And I was just like sobbing my eyes out. But I was just sobbing because like I didn't realize I was holding on to so much anxiety and worry and weight. I didn't know I was holding on to just like all this weight of like our community and the church and all that kind of stuff. To where as soon as I hit my knees, it's like, conviction, let go. And I was like, okay. And I was like, Lord, here, fine, take it. And, uh, and I was like, Lord, I'm not that cool. Lord, I'm not that strong. Lord, I'm not that awesome. Lord, I'm, I'm just really super weak. So here. I'm not God, you are here. And so maybe for you, Man, an act of humility is just saying, Lord, here. Lord, I cast all of that. Lord, I don't want to be so prideful to keep it. Because sometimes one of the most prideful things we can do is not let go. So let go. Let go. Say, Lord, here. And then it says right here 
that we can cast all of our anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Like, I don't know when the last time someone told you that God cares for you, but he does. God cares for you. But so many times, I don't know if you're like me, so many times we hear, oh, God cares for me? Okay. Well, if he cares for me, where is he at? If he cares for me, why hasn't he answered this? If he cares for me, why, why isn't he present? If he cares for me, why hasn't he changed this? Oh, my friends, that's a bad way to look at it. God is always present. God is always working. And in the moments where God seems silent, man, those are the moments to pray, God, strengthen my faith and God, lengthen my patience. Lord, please, strengthen my faith, my faith and lengthen my patience because we cannot mistake God's silence for God's absence. We can't because God is never absent. He never is. And so as we end together, you might be asking, okay, Misael, I've, I've heard a lot of things. You've said a lot of things. We've read some scripture. We've connected some dots. But, but what's a practical application that I can take away today? Well, here's the super practical thing you can take away today. Copy the humility of Jesus. Copy the humility of Jesus. And uh, though it might be difficult at times, man, I just want to encourage you to copy the humility of Jesus. Because it's Jesus alone who can save. It's Jesus alone who can restore. It's Jesus alone that we can be absolutely transformed. And the humility of Jesus is amazing because he literally came from heaven to earth for us and to us. And then even while he was on earth, he still still humbled himself. He put on the towel. He was still the example of how to clothe yourself with humility. And so I just want to urge you to copy the humility of Jesus. And, and I want to end with this statement right here. This is a statement that I gave our people in Owasso. And I just want to give it to you because it's just on my heart. We have to copy the humility of Jesus because when we go out into the world, we encounter people all the time who don't know Jesus. And maybe that's you today. And so I want to give you this statement too. But we all know this world's a little messed up, right? We all know this world's a little something and something's a little not right. Well, here's the thing. If you're not a believer in Jesus, this world is the best that it gets. If you're not a believer in Jesus, this world is the best that it gets. But if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a child of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, this world, it's the worst that it gets. It is the worst that it gets because we have a hope beyond this world. We have a hope beyond all of the mess and all the things that are not right here. We have a hope for today and tomorrow and forevermore. And so let's be these people who copy the humility of Jesus and we share that with people around us. What I want to do now is just, I just want to pray together. So let's go ahead and bow our heads together and pray. Jesus, in this moment, we, we come before you super weak, super tired, some of us super sick. Lord, but we come with so much peace, knowing that we can cast all of our worries and anxiety to you because you truly care. You're not fake, you're real, you're authentic. God, I pray for all those who don't know you in the room, Lord, I pray 
that they would realize how life today and tomorrow is so much better with you in it. That you wanna have a relationship with them, that you have humbled yourself to them, that your love has met them exactly where they are. Lord, I pray for my believers in the room, for the children of God in this room. Lord, help us just let go. Lord, help us have this humble attitude and have humble actions. Lord, help us and empower us through your Holy Spirit to copy the humility of Jesus and what he has done. That we would clothe ourselves with humility, that we would put on the towel and we would clean the feet of our other brothers and sisters in Christ, of those who don't know you, that we would love them and serve them well. God, thank you for the baptism that we saw today. Lord, thank you that we're getting to see new life in this place. God, we don't pretend to be perfect. We don't pretend to be a perfect church and perfect transitions or whatever. But Lord, thank you so much that you are perfect and that you make us new. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.